podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yeah, g'day, Justin. Uh, you, you said before the final one day uh, that it was almost had the feeling of a grand final. You must be so satisfied then that the team was able to not only win, but win in difficult circumstances with your backs against the wall. Oh, it was brilliant, Andrew. I, the wicket in the last game was very different to the first two games, uh, which was nice to be tested on different surfaces. But for our guys to go away with a victory, it certainly when we left the country, it's amazing the fine line. It's more fun winning than losing. And it was amazing the fine line that, you know, the smiles on our face leaving the country after everything that had gone into it. It was a credit to everyone involved. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Mensel. That was Australian coach Justin Langer speaking to the media just before we recorded this podcast. He's very happy about that final victory. And joining me is another very happy person about the Poms getting toweled up in the final game, Jaleesa App, sports reporter for Channel 9. How are you? I'm really good. Yeah, that was a great game to watch. I got no sleep, but it was good. Oh, it was fantastic. And and in this episode of Cricket Unfiltered, Jaleesa and I are going to go through all the cricket headlines, including uh, Justin Langer responding to the criticism by Michael Holding regarding the Black Lives Matter movement. And then I have a, a feature interview with Australian women's cricket team star Sophie Molyneux. We're going to talk about the women's team series against the Kiwis that starts this weekend. But let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. So as I said, Julissa, just got off a Zoom with Justin Langer and uh, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of quarantine for these Australian players. And And Justin said on the Zoom that when they went through the, the quarantine and the bubbles with this Australian squad when they were in England, the blood drained from their faces. So it's going to be a pretty tough summer, you would imagine, for the players. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. And there's really no end in sight to all of that quarantine because it, we don't have a vaccine. And if the, even if a vaccine came out tomorrow, it certainly wouldn't be in production quick enough for the cricket season. So it's going to be a really tough slog for them especially given that they came off being with their families for so long, which you think would probably make it easier because they've had this break. But it's actually just like the tale of two different lives, really, because you've gone from seeing your family all the time to seeing them not at all. And every cricketer that I spoke to um, over the past few months just really embraced having that time off and being able to be with their families. And I think some of them, they were even shocked at how much they really needed it. So it's going to be really tough for them, but good on them for doing it and getting their heads down and just 
getting bums up and going on with it. Yeah, just some of the practicalities of it. Justin Lang is in Adelaide now, quarantining for two weeks, and any of the players with the squad that were to go to Western Australia or Tasmania will have to quarantine for another two weeks, and then you're going to have players going into state bubbles and coming out of state bubbles. So it's going to be tough. Even the, the prospect was raised that it'll be the first Christmas in a while that the Australian team doesn't have their families with them. But Justin Langer told a nice story that his dad uh, mentioned to Justin Langer that, you know, the Australian team went to the Western Front last year and saw the great sacrifices made by the Australian soldiers. So it'll be a bit rich if the Aussie cricketers start complaining about a bit of time locked in hotel rooms. And look, you can't take anything away from the quarantine, but that's a healthy attitude for Justin Langer. And he's a good man to be at the helm. Yeah, it is. And he's always been really big on that, being grateful for your position and being uh, very aware of what a privilege it is to play cricket for Australia. I think if you haven't watched the test, go and watch it because that's one of the things that he really, in the first few episodes, really um, instills in the team how grateful and how lucky they are to be in that position. So it's great to have an attitude where you are appreciative of what you've got, but no doubt at the end of the day, you're human. And it's, I can't believe that he has to quarantine again going into Perth. That is just, it, it's stunning that hopefully, hopefully the state borders open during the season, which it looks like they will if things keep going the way that they are. And it won't be this big a problem the whole time. Yeah, let's hope so. Now, let's get to the big news in the last week. Australia won the third and deciding one day international. Win the series against England. The world champions were beaten at home for the first time in five years in a bilateral series at home. It was a truly sensational game of 50 over cricket. It had it ebbed and flowed. It started with Mitchell Stark dismissing Roy and Root on the first two balls of the game. And England were two for zip two for zero. And you thought Australia's going to flog them, but then they made seven for 302 with Bearstone making 112. Adam Zampa continued his good form with the ball, taking three for 51. And the Australians slumped to five for 73 in reply. It seemed all over until Alex Carey made 106 off 114 balls and Glenn Maxwell 108 off 90 deliveries. They put on 212 which is the highest six-wicket partnership for Australia. Australia won by three wickets. What a game, Jaleesa. What a game. Tell me about it. You stayed up all night watching it. Yeah, it was an, it was such an emotional roller coaster. I did stay up all night and watched it. I watched the first little spell of bowling, and I had maybe like an hour, an hour and a half nap on the lounge and uh, till the end of our bowling. So I didn't watch the whole spell of bowling, but then I woke up and I thought, so for the start, I thought, oh, we're going to do this easy. When you saw Stark got those first two wickets, I thought, oh my God, we're going to roll through this. Uh, And then when I woke up just at the end of when we were bowling, I thought, oh my God, what happened? How did we, so then I had to go and like quickly look at highlights. I then took a tactical decision that, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to have some sleep. I couldn't. I couldn't go to bed. I couldn't sleep. I thought I'll just watch the first few overs and I'm a shocker at this. I Once I start watching a game, 
I can't go to bed. So often if I know that I need to be up early the next ga- next day, I won't watch the, the game at all because I always just go one more over, one more over. And it was the most emotional roller coaster. First of all, Root getting two of our top order batsmen out was just stunning. Yeah, they were great balls. Then when Lamborghini, the one that got yeah, Warner was, was a ripper. It was. And I was at the time I was a little, I was like, Oh my God, why are these guys getting out to Joe Root? But they were, they were pretty cracking balls. So I'll let that go. But um, then when Lamborghini came in, I thought, Oh, okay. All right. We just need to keep him in. He can get us there. Like I had full faith in Lamborghini that he, he could get us there. And when he got out, when he, the run out, frustrated me beyond I was so frustrated with it and I wonder if it's a little bit of immaturity for Lamborghini he's not quite got that I don't know that decision making quite right yet because there was a little bit of time earlier than that when he was batting with David Warner when there was another run in it and he didn't go and I Warner was sort of said to him there was another run in that main so not in a chastising way but just you know like just so you know sort of way so I just wonder maybe he needs to work on that a little bit that'll just come with experience but I was just so frustrated when he got out I thought oh this is done and I watched for a little bit longer and I thought hang on Carey and Maxwell are they gonna do this and then you just it was just on and then when when they got out you thought oh no we're not you know that's momentum was just swinging constantly and it was just such an emotional roller coaster and it sort of got to five six o'clock in the morning and I thought oh my god I hope everyone is waking up and switching their tvs on and realizing the cricket's still on and this is such a good game well then Mitchell Stark came in and hit a six in the last over he was he was brilliant like his confidence going in he just knew I've just got to go for this I've just there's the I just need to go for it play it ruthlessly and it, it paid off for him. How was work the next day on no sleep? Um, I've done that quite a bit. I didn't, I, I didn't need to work. So that was kind of oh, okay. the decision of staying up. The other two games I had to work, so I didn't stay up. And, and I made the decision, no, I'll watch this the next day on replay because I couldn't uh, go to bed if I started. But I've done that a lot, particularly last year in the Ashes and the um, World Cup. I worked so many days with no sleep and it just rattles you. <laughs> I'm the king of the day nap now after a long night's cricket. You just got to get a fit in a nap somewhere, a little power nap. I, I'll just, I just choose to sc- cry sporadically because I've had no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Glenn Maxwell made his second one-day international turn. He's sixth for Australia in all, all formats. It was just a, a spell-binding innings. I mean, the way he was able to... A target the short boundary and he did it so easy that's the one thing that impressed me about Maxwell and Gary they they looked in control the whole time and you have to say Glenn Maxwell followed my advice from the last podcast where I said he doesn't have to hit every ball for six just the odd one and he seemed very strategic in that innings he would hit a six get off strike do the same thing next over or four he just seemed to really listen to me yeah was it the take of glenn maxwell took your advice or menace was wrong about glenn maxwell no, i said he took my advice that's that's the good thing i think i was wrong about alex Perry. at the point where both of them when they both got out um you know you did it was a worrying period but looking back i kind of felt like that 
was a blessing in disguise because then you had Stark come in with this like ruthless attitude of I'm just going to finish this. Uh, but yeah, Alex Carey, his first ton for Australia, the, uh, very good innings. I might have been wrong about him, uh, more wrong about him than I was about Maxwell. Do you think Maxwell's wasted batting at seven? Do you think he should be at five and Carey at six or seven rather than Maxwell so low? No, Aaron Finch explained this after the game straight after in an interview and he said, Maxwell's our floater. So he said, just depending on where the game's going and what we need, Maxwell is our floater. And I actually agree with him. I think it's a, like, so they're willing to push him up if they need to or or leave him where he is. Mm, all right. Now, speaking of the batting order, I know you've been concerned about Marnus and Smith in the same team. Well, I asked Justin Langer about it. Have a listen. Oh, did you? Good. JL, are you looking at, um, you know, Marnus being the sort of number four sort of for the long term in the 50 over game and leaving Smith at three? Is that the sort of structure you're looking at? Yeah, not sure yet. Um, in the sense that we've got so many options now. We, we talked about playing one day cricket with changing our structure a little bit. We're so clear in test cricket and T20 cricket. Uh, but what, what I know about Manus is every single time he walks to the wicket, whether it's in test cricket or one day cricket, I mean, his innings the other night was whilst he would have loved and we would have loved to it for him to have gone through and scored another. We know if, if an individual batsman scores over 80 runs plus, you usually win most games. So um, we would have liked him to have gone a bit further. But whether he bats three, four, five, you know, he's, he's playing so well that we've got that flexibility at the moment. Yeah, interesting. What I took from that is, Jaleesa, that we might actually see Marnus go up to three at some stage and they leave Smith in the middle order because he's such a good player of spin. Uh, would that be acceptable to you or do you still think Smith and Marnus can't be in the same team? No, no, I'm, I'm softening on that they, can't, that they can't be in the same team. I do think they can, but probably just... it's. I think it's going to take a bit more experience from Marnus in particular for it to work perfectly. Uh, I do think they can be in the same team. I think you'd be crazy to leave them out. That would be a, a crazy call. But I I like the idea. I like that the idea of pushing, having him in three, having Smith in the middle because, yeah, I mean, Smith can, can play that spin. But one thing I will say about Marnus the other day was just the energy that he brought when he walked out was mental. Like, was actually mental. Like, there's obviously no crowds, so there's not much of an atmosphere. And you would have thought he was walking out on Boxing Day tests. Like, he was like a meerkat on meth. <laughs> like, it was just like this, like, constant jittering and moving around. And a lot of people have made that comparison with Smith, but this was nothing like Smith. This was on another level and just the energy. And then you could hear when he faced the first ball, he's like, woo! And I'm like, all right, yeah, let's. It's two o'clock in the morning. Let's woohoo. Like, I just, I like the energy that he brings to the team. And at that stage, they're in pretty dire straits. Sounds like he kept you, helped keep, kept you up that night. Oh, it did. I was like, yeah, woohoo. Let's, let's get this going. But his energy, and it's, it was really funny to watch him towards the end of the game, too. He was sitting next to Cummins, who, Cummings, who was just as still as possibly could be, clearly did not want to nothing to do with going out and having a bat 
and just watching so intently, didn't move. And then Manus is next to him, just jittering. And then he's doing these weird like sidesteps and like, look like he was playing rugby league and he's moving and he's going, I would have been like, mate, stop moving. What are you doing? But I love the energy. He has a lot of energy. Now in the last podcast, we were pretty strident or we got on the front foot with our criticism of the Australian team for not doing anything about the Black Lives Matter uh, movement before the series. And, and Justin Langer was asked about that by a journalist last week. And I just thought it was appropriate to uh, play Justin Langer's response. Have a listen. Well, first thing I'll say in it is that Michael Holding is one of the great people of world sport. And certainly our game, he's a, he's a person who I, well, I personally have great admiration, great respect, great love for, and if, and, and we still, um, we all watched his presentation or his heartfelt thoughts at the start of the summer. So, um, and when someone like Michael says something like that, it's certainly um, important we all listen to it. In terms of the taking a knee, to be completely honest, we could, we could have talked more about it perhaps um, leading up to that first game. There was so much going on um, leading up to us getting here. Uh, maybe we should have thought and talked a bit more about it. What, what we do talk about it within the team is that we want to have a, a response to, that is sustained and powerful and, um, and it can go not just in, in one, one action, but sustained um, periods throughout, not just throughout this series, throughout our summer, but throughout time. So we're looking at ways, I know there's a lot of talk going on within our group about how we can, I know there's a lot of talk going on within the women's, the Australian women's team as well, on how that we can have a sustained and powerful um, response to the Black Life Matters. It's incredibly important. I just hope, and certainly from Mikey's point of view, I hope if it looked like there was a lack of respect there, that certainly wasn't the, the intention of our team. And uh, we're, we're very aware of it. And as I said, when Mikey says what he says, then it's uh, certainly worth listening to and we'll be doing that. What do you think of that response, Jaleesa? 10 out of 10 response beautifully handled just putting your hand up and going yeah you know what we didn't do it justice and this is how we've reflected on on that I cannot fault Justin Langer in that I think it was obviously a massive oversight to begin with but uh, I think he's given the respect to acknowledge that they were wrong and I think he's it was a perfect response yeah, but what's not a perfect response, Jaleesa, is where was Cricket Australia on this? Again, yeah. head in the bloody sand. Why aren't they offering guidance to the team? I mean, this is not like, this is a huge issue. You've got teams all around the world doing it. Cricket Australia needed to give them some direction and give them some uh, line, whether it's we're doing it for this reason or we're not doing it for this reason, not just leaving it up the team to talk about it more. And I- I'm sick of Cricket Australia just stumbling around from one PR disaster to another. You know, they're fighting with the TV networks. They, they can't even direct their team how to respond to this movement. I-, I think it's pretty pathetic, actually. Yeah, I tend to probably not agree as strongly as that, but I tend to agree with you that it is I sympathise with Justin Langer and the team when they do have so much else going on. 
um, that they probably could have been provided a little bit. Even if the response is, look, we are going to pay tribute to the movement when we're back in Australia before the home summer, we feel that's more appropriate. Anything would have been better than just sending them over there with no thought uh, put into it. Yeah, look, I don't want to criticise the the, me- the media side of things because I think they were also had a lot going on in that period with dealing other with other issues, but perhaps at even a higher level. Okay, all right, fine. We'll just let them let let cricket make another mistake. No, no, I'm not saying that it wasn't a mistake, and I do think it was a mistake, and I think Justin Langer has said it's a mistake. Everyone acknowledges that it was a mistake. I and I agree with you. They probably could have been a little bit more guidance there. I'm satisfied with Langer's response now and I think they'll be much more thoughtful and much more aware of it and everyone makes mistakes and they could have come out and completely ignored it or they ignored their mistake and they could have come out and and said and brushed it off or but Langer's put his hand up and said no this was wrong we should have done better we will do better shouldn't have got to that yeah I agree I, I can concur with you on that it shouldn't have got to that thank you anyway I just wanted to play that because I thought it was important to give Langer, a right to reply to the criticism. All right, just just at the end, the headlines, a few quick ones. Uh, the IPL has started. Obviously, there's games every night, so you know I'm not going to try and wrap it up, but I will say that the Australians are already making a huge impression. Stoinis made 53 off 21 in his first match for the Delhi Capitals. James Pattinson was steaming in for the Mumbai Indians bowling to Shane Watson, who was playing for the Chennai Super Kings. So there's just so much great cricket on TV and I hope the IPL does lift the spirits of the Indian people that are suffering so badly right now with COVID-19. I, I hope that the IPL does um, cheer them up a little bit. Yeah, it's a shame that it can't be there, but uh, yeah, the uh, did you see the suits that they wore, the Australians that had, yes. they wore to the IPL? They were, if you haven't seen it, go and Google a picture, the flying over they were completely suited up gloves foot like they look like they were going into space <laughs> look like astronauts they exactly. did. <laughs> and um the uae is hosting the ipl and we might see a lot of cricket there in the next couple of years talks that uh, england v india test series could be played there the ipl could be there again 2020 next year. world cup Exactly. So, 2021. Um, 2026. Um, so the uae is the center of the the IPL is a great TV product. I know crowds add to it, but I'm, I've been enjoying it immensely already, even without the crowds. The next headline, it looks like the southeastern region of Queensland is going to host all the white ball games against India. That'll be the Gabba and Metricon Stadium. So the ODIs and T20s could all be there. Again, just uh, Queensland's sporting bubble continues. Yeah, it does. There's not much of an option, uh, you know, with borders closed and, and things like that. So uh, good good that they'll go ahead. <laughs> Let's just be grateful at that point. That's right. And um, the final headline, and we've got to touch on the, the pay dispute regarding the TV rights. When we recorded last time, there was speculation that Seven and Fox were not going to pay all their fees that were due for the broadcast rights. That's 
what happened, Seven and Fox did not pay all the money that was due, just partial payment was made. And surprise, surprise, Jaleesa, that brought Cricket Australia to the negotiating table. Who'd have thought that would happen? Withholding money would actually make Cricket Australia negotiate. I don't think that Cricket Australia haven't been negotiating. I'm sure that they've been negotiating. I'm sure they're trying their darndest to negotiate. I I, 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 it's an unfortunate situation. I think we said a lot about it last week. Yeah, we did. We said a lot about it. And uh, I just, as we speak, though, it seems like they're starting to work through the issues more than they were, say, this time last week. So that's a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, things leak out in the media and it's hard to know what's going on behind the scenes and things get leaked for certain reasons. So, But I'm sure everyone is trying to work out an, a solution because... It's got to go ahead. It's got to happen. It's got to go somewhere. That's right. We'll riot. I'll show it on my Instagram page. I'll just let. We'll, Cricket unfiltered we'll, buys the right. We'll show it somewhere. Yeah, we'll show it on. We'll do a podcast. That's right. Well, that was a Cricket Headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcast. And last thing before I let you go, Jaleesa, we got some viewer tweets or listener tweets last week. So I tweeted out after the one day international against England. After Australia won, the five-time world champions beat the one-time world champions in a thrilling series. Great cricket. Now, then, my, my good friend, Andre Adams, the New South Wales bowling coach and former New Zealand international, replied, how many current Australian team players have won five World Cups? Obviously, none. But then I replied, well, that's not how it works but I can understand how a Kiwi could get this wrong because obviously the Kiwis have not ever won a 50-over World Cup. Andre Adams did not see the funny side to that at all and said, I think you meant the Australian team beat the current world champions, but the original tweet sounded small-minded and condescending, just like your last tweet. The funniest thing about this whole exchange was that he thought you you were just accidentally sounding that way and I'm like no yes. that's deliberate <laughs> he deliberately means to sound right. like that like, um why is he so defensive of England I'm not sure but uh, <laughs> you're 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 just a shitster I I should stir sometimes on Twitter <laughs> sometimes my sense of humor is lost on people but they're all facts. uh same. all facts Australia have won five world cups the English ones <laughs> Well, uh, Jaleesa, we're taking a two-week break now, so thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Paul, make it. We're not going to do Can't Let It Go. I had a good one. Oh, okay. What's your Can't Let It Go then? Okay, so my Can't Let It Go this week is Bradman's pitch in Bowral. Have you have you read about this? No, tell me. Okay, so um, there's a development application in for the pitch where Bradman used to play as a child or practice as a child. So I think that he had like a mentor that sort of when he was a kid would take him to this pitch that I think is behind a church and they would play there and him and his friends would play there. So there's a development application in and the people of Barrel are very upset um, that they might lose this piece of history. And I wondered what your take of, on it was. Do, is it is it something we should preserve? Is it because it's not particularly like a celebrated bit of barrel as I understand at the moment. It's just this pitch behind a church. I don't think it's got any signage or anything. They should definitely lift it up at the very least and take it somewhere else. It's the cement. It's- oh, well, I mean, I have to think about this one, but but I think we should definitely keep it in some form. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they see that I, from what I understand, the people of Barrel are upset that the development's going to go ahead there. And I'm from a small country town, so I can say this. People in small country towns do not like change. They just don't like change. We don't yeah. like things being messed with. So I can understand where they're coming from. But on the other hand, I'm like, we've got so many pieces of Bradman history. Do we need to preserve a whole bit of land? So I'm torn because I'm a very sentimental person. So normally I would be like, put fences around it and preserve it and put a glass cage around it and make sure it doesn't get ruined. But uh, I don't know about this one. Well, I'm actually going to Barrel for a holiday in two weeks on the weekend, taking my kids up. So I'm actually going to find this pitch. And if, if I might start a protest, I might start a, an, a, a movement to save Bradman's first pitch. Yeah. Well, yeah. Are you going to go to the Bradman museum? Yeah, I hope so. If I can drag my family along. They'll love it. You know what? My nan went with my pop and my nan knew nothing about cricket. My pop and I used to watch cricket all the time. She adored it. She thought it was the best thing she'd ever been to. So I don't think you necessarily have to be into cricket. Well, I'm going to check out that and I'm going to check out that pitch and come back to you on it, Jaleesa. Okay, please do. And I'd like to hear from everyone else. What do they think? Well, Jaleesa, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Again, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Take care. My pleasure. Bye. That was the wonderful Jaleesa Apps from Channel 9. And we're going to be joined in a moment by Australian women's cricket star Sophie Molyneux. You might remember her strutting her stuff on stage with Katy Perry after Australia won the Women's World T20 at the MCG in March. So that's to come. Just before we get into that, I want to remind you we're taking a couple of weeks off after this show. So while we're on a break, head to Cricket Unfiltered on Twitter and Instagram at AusCricketPod, AUS Cricket Pod. We love interacting with the listeners there. If you've got a moment, go and leave a review for the podcast on uh, Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. Coming up after the break, Sophie Molyneux. Sammy Joe Johnson, and again, a lofted on drive, and that'll be it. It's been a really good innings. They settle for one, and that's 50 for Molyneux. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, and joining me now is one of the stars of the Australian women's cricket team, Sophie Molyneux. Sophie, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. So you're in um, Brisbane preparing for three T20s and three 50-over games against the Kiwis. Uh, I know you've had to sort of do two weeks of quarantine, but you must be pretty excited to be on the verge of playing some cricket. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, You say that two or three months ago, it actually didn't feel like it would have happened. But, yeah, to be up here in Brisbane and knowing that, you know, we're playing a, a game of cricket in less than a week, it's, it's yeah, the girls are absolutely ecstatic and um, we're all coming together tonight for the first time since the, the World Cup final so starting to feel real and yeah we're, we're just really excited to get to get stuck in. Well you mentioned the World Cup final the listeners out there might remember seeing you strutting your stuff on the dance floor with Katy Perry have, have you watched that video a lot now um, of you dancing on stage with Katy Perry and showing all your friends? Oh uh, <laughs> I go through phases with it. Sometimes um, I watch it and think, you know, what a, what a great time. And then other times I'm, I'm quite 
I'm quite a critic on my dance moves and, and can barely watch it. So, <laughs> no, it was definitely you know, it was a special moment on a very special day as well. So, um, yeah, Katy Perry was awesome. She, she definitely embraced uh, 15 other backup dancers. <laughs> Pretty good cricketers, those backup dancers. Now, uh, I want to ask you about um, the sort of quarantine arrangements with the team because, you know, we're going to see a lot of cricketers go through what you've been through over summer and even now a lot of the Australian team. I know Ash Gardner, for example, in, in Sydney, moved out of her home and moved in with Alyssa Healy, so her family wasn't affected. Has the quarantine or restrict, restrictions affected you or your family? Uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm Victorian, so um, things were a little bit different there and still are a bit different there. Um, so sort of going into that two-week isolation before flying out to Brisbane didn't look too different to us. It didn't affect the Victorians as much as the New South Wales girls, I, I don't think. But, yeah, I think, you know, personally for me that it's been just not being able to, to go home and, and see my family because my family are country Victoria. Um, so that's pretty much the, the big the big change and challenge. But, yeah, coming out of, coming out of Melbourne and going into these two weeks in Brisbane of quarantine, has been yeah it's been different it's been it's been a bit of a challenge um but it's been a really the girls have been have great we've been really lucky to still been able to train a couple of hours a day which is it's been really good for us because yeah we've been able to get a bit of fresh air and, and sunlight the last couple of weeks and um keep building up to to what's going to be a really yeah a massive series for us against New Zealand absolutely what's the mental toll like of the two-week quarantine on you what's it been like oh uh, look I'll be honest I think it's been like going into quarantine I was a little bit nervous thinking uh, I'm gonna go absolutely stir crazy in in my room but where you know the Victorian, the Victorians were we're all on a floor and we all going really really well. So um, very lucky we've got a bit of a common room and that's become you know, the place where everyone sort of joins and you know there's been plenty of laughs. We've made plenty of memories over the last couple of weeks. I'm sure we're going to bring up in in the years to come. So um, it's just been a really different experience that you know you wouldn't think that you would have to experience it to play cricket but um we have and you know i've been really lucky to be able to you know get on that plane and fly fly out to brisbane and, and just to be able to do what i love in, in play cricket as well so um yeah it's definitely been a couple of different weeks but you know all in all we're pretty lucky to be here yeah i think it's going to be a real challenge for players and the management to keep an eye on mental health of cricketers uh, in all forms this summer players being separated from their family, long periods of isolation. I think there's a real need to just keep an eye on it because not everybody all the time is going to cope with it that well. Yeah, look, I think Cricket Australia um, and the States do a, you know, a great a great job through, across the board in, in that space, in the mental health space, especially over the last couple of years. There's been you know, a lot put in place there to per, protect the players and, and put that pillar of support in. And I think you know that's only just going to be... Be put on a pedestal over the next couple of couple of months. You know, there's with the the big bash hub coming up. You know, every domestic female cricketer is going to be you know faced out of a, a hub in Sydney for six weeks. Which you know, that's six months ago we were never planning or expecting that. So, yeah, as you said, there's definitely going to be it's challenges. But I know there's been an enormous amount of work by um, a lot of people from 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 everywhere to be able to put things in place um, and make it you know as as comfortable and as 
is friendly, <laughs> friendly to, to everyone involved. Good. That's really important. Now, I read uh, on cricket.com.au that you've all trained really hard, that the New South Wales and Victoria play, Victorian players were separated, but you've been able to train separately. And because, because you've been you know, locked up most of the day, when you've got out there, you've really smashed it. Um, that must have been really good for you guys heading into the series to get that intense training in. Yeah, absolutely. It's it sort of um, went up a level, a bit like we're all cage lions for the day. We we get our two hours of of training in, and we're um, you know we're off the leash, and it just felt like the the quality of and intensity of training just just went through the roof, which was um, you know it was really great to be a part of. And I think it's just it's building very nicely because the rest of the squad are joining us tomorrow. So hopefully, you know that intensity, that level of intensity will will just probably keep going and yeah we've got a game in four or five days now so yeah I think we're we're well and truly yeah excited and and ready to go. Do you think that separating the Victorian and New South Wales players is something they can should consider post-COVID times just generally? Oh (laughs) uh, yeah well it was quite funny the um, Victorian girls were sort of had six months of um, of isolation down our way so we we very much so we weren't sort of used to talking to other people. So we, we got to our first training and um, it felt very odd having to, to talk to people outside of our bubbles. And the New South Wales girls were a little bit worried worried about us. They thought that we'd sort of lost a few marbles over, over COVID because we didn't know how to say goodbye and, and hello. So, um, yeah, uh, there's always a bit of rivalry in Victoria and New South. But, no, it's been, it's been great where we've been able to come together at training. We've still sort of been separated to create a bit of a contest, which is really cool. And we're all competitive people. So, yeah, all in all, they're, they're good blokes over there too. Good. How is your form coming off a long layoff without cricket? How, how is your form? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a bit hard to judge, I suppose. We've spent a lot of time in the nets um, over the last six months but um yeah look I, I suppose you you got to go into the start of the season feeling you know it's a fresh it's a fresh plate and yeah I'm really really optimistic and just really excited to be able to play cricket again and and hopefully strengthen some, some consistency this season but yeah all in all it's been you know as I said before the, the intensity and quality of training up here has been you know through the roof which I, I think personally is you know you get asked to be able to match that so yeah I, I feel feel fresh and, and ready and we're just really excited to, to play some cricket to be honest oh good i'm excited to watch some cricket some international cricket this weekend i think there'll be a lot of interest around these games coming off the world cup victory it's the first international sporting event in australia since covid19 i think they'll they'll get a lot of interest and you must be excited that you're actually allowed to have some spectators come in and watch yeah, that was that was great news that we um, we heard that. You know, I think pretty much all of them are sold out now. All, all three one days and three twenty twenties are all sold out. So, um, and we know you know Brisbane people love their cricket and have always been um, enormous supporters of of our team. So the numbers like that to to pop up straight away, I think you know as a group, it probably made it feel even more real that we we're going to go out and play cricket and um, and do that in front of a crowd because you know the last time we played cricket we. <laughs> We're at the MCG, so things are going to look a little bit different. But, yeah, all in all, we're just yeah, absolutely ecstatic and um, pumped that you know, people can come in and watch. And you and the Kiwis have a pretty intense rivalry. 
uh, on the field. I know you've sort of been quite dominant over them at times, but they're a plucky opponent. What are you expecting from them? Yeah, I'd expect a contest there. Um, everyone speaks about, you know, they've got world-class leaders and players in, in Soph Devine, um, Leah Tahuhu, Amy Southway. But, you know, you've got the young Amelia Kerr, who's who's definitely you know, a world-class player in herself as well. But, it, you know, the list is, is deep. And I think on top of that, they're probably the most competitive sporting team that I've ever played against. So um, it's never... There's never a game where you think you're, you're home and host because they always find a way to fight, and, um, which you know is very admirable, and, and we know that. So we we definitely know it's going to be it's going to be a good tussle between the two teams. Have has the, your team spoken much about you know what the bigger picture is for the the team? I know there was a lot of focus put on winning the. T20 World Cup earlier this year at home and you achieved that so huge tick in the box there but now with the reset what's the team sort of uh, looking at now? Uh, yeah it's a, it's a good question we're sort of we've had a bit of a dry patch there <laughs> we went from a massive high of the World Cup final to, to not seeing each other for six months so that's probably the, the biggest chunk of time where we we haven't been on the road together so it's definitely been a reset button it's been a great you know it's given us a great amount of you know, time to be able to sit down and, and reassess what um, where we want to go as a team and I think you know we're all pretty much on the same page that we just we've set a bar and we just want to keep going now um, and treat you know every series um, domestic cricket we we all just want to you know keep pushing ourselves because we know you know there's any team out there are just you know getting better and better so looking internally we we want to keep raising the bar as well because yeah you don't want to you don't want to settle on that either but yeah I think that's just sort of taking it series by series, not looking too big picture. I think we're all sort of learning that now with everything happening in the world. You can't look too far ahead, but yeah, we definitely, you know, want to go up another level. That's for sure. Oh, um, the 50 over World Cup was due to be played early next year, but that's been delayed. Um, obviously disappointing, but I guess when they eventually play that, that's going to be, you know, a big aim for the team, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It looks like, 2022 is going to be a massive year for for our team. It looks like there's going to be a 50 over World Cup, maybe a, a T20 World Cup, and a couple of Ashes series and the um, Commonwealth Games mixed up in there. So is it you? that's a that's going to be a very it's a year and a half that one. Yeah, look, we're obviously very disappointed at, at the time that um, the, the World Cup next year was postponed. But at the same time, like you know, a big scheme of things. It's yeah, it's perspective at the moment. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, uh, you're sort of competing in the Aussie team for spots, I guess, with sort of Jess Jonathan or, or Georgia Wareham. What direction has, say, the coach Matthew Mott and Skipper Meg Lanning given you in, in what they want to see from you and what role they want you to play in the, the team? Yeah, I think the beauty um, about our team is that, you know, we have a number of, of spinners, but everyone is so different. Like, you know, Jess Jonathan and I are both left arm offies, but we couldn't be any... Um, couldn't be further apart in the way we bowl our left arm off. Is it? So, yeah, you know, the the direction from, from leadership and everything right from the start when I played my first game for Australia to now has just been to, you know, it's almost you do you. Um, <laughs> and the way, the way you know, everyone embraces each, you know, each individual player and um, celebrates what, you know, their roles are. Um, Sounds like a millennial philosophy. You do you. What's that? Sorry, you, you do, do you. That's the real millennial way of doing things. 
It is, isn't it? There's no cookie cutter nowadays, that's for sure. So I guess it, it's just going to be trying to get break into that 11. When this series is over, you mentioned you're heading down to Sydney for the WBBL. Uh, it's all going to be played in a hub. What are, you th- what are your thoughts around that? Um, it's going to be so different playing all in one city and not travelling around. It's, it's going to be very strange. It will be strange. I think we're, we're having a bit of a dress rehearsal at the moment um, up here in Brisbane. But yeah, it will be. It will be very different. I think, you know, the way it looks, the, the hub's going to be, it's going to be like a bit of a <laughs> bit of an athlete's village, I think, by the looks of it, to, for all the teams, um, which is, which is you know, on plan. It looks really exciting and, and really cool. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that you know, it's, you're probably never going to experience anything like this ever again. So we might as well. Um, make the most of it so I'm I'm really excited to be able to to get into that hub and to, I suppose it's going to be a different big bash to what I've ever experienced before and probably will ever experience so yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. Well I'm excited because it's in Sydney where I'm from so hopefully I'll get to see <laughs> some of it. How much do you enjoy playing in the WBBL? I mean you play such a pivotal role in the Renegades with the bat and ball and have done so for a number of years. How much do you love the the WBBL? Yeah, it's um you know it's, it's a world class competition. Like my like one of my, my best memories uh, in cricket come from playing in the Renegade in the Red. Had a bit of a core group there that's sort of been there from year 1 and you know been able to run out on the field. Um, during the Big Bash next to you know, some of your closest mates. That's, you know, that's the part that I love about Big Bash. And, you know, we've sort of stuck together as a group, as I said, and we're um, slowly building. So hopefully we can get a, a couple more wins at the, um, at the back end of the season where, yeah, hopefully we can see, see some, some good results. Yeah, how do you think your team's shaping up? I know there's a couple of your Kiwi opponents in your Renegades team. How, how do you think you're looking for this summer? Yeah, we're really excited about all this, I think. Um, having Amy back, Amy Southwaite's back is really, really <laughs> exciting. You know, she's she's been a renegade before and she, you know, brings this amazing amount of calmness and experience that levels out the squad. And then you bring in Lizelle Lee, which I'm so pumped to be able to be batting alongside her, not bowling to her because she's definitely hit me a few, <laughs> a few sixes over the years. Yeah, inclusions like that are massive and, um, being able to retain, you know, majority of our our list last from last season um, was also a massive, massive benefit as well. So yeah, new coach. So yeah, there's definitely a, a bit of freshness about it. But yeah, hopefully we we can go okay this year. Yeah, I hope so too. I don't know about from the players' point of view, but I, from you know, sort of journalist slash fan, I love going to the WBBL because. It's just such a great spirit around the games and the men's team tournament as well, but especially the WBBL. Every time I walk out of the game, I just feel good. Like there's kids and families and, 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 you know, the players are so invested in helping everyone have a good time. I just think it's been, you know, so good for cricket and, you know, really uplifting. I hope this competition can do the same. Do you sort of feel that from your side of things? Yeah, I think, you know, that's, extremely infectious that um that family sort of feel you know there's kids running around it's very it's colorful it's you know it's been like it's it's been a really obviously a big success over the last six years so um to be a part of it it's been as i said it's obviously it's a great part of the year for for all involved and yeah being able to play in it is it's been amazing it's my favorite time to play cricket so yeah i think 
the the way that Cricket Australia, the Big Bash, and everyone have made it so like colourful, exciting, and family family orientated. I think that's definitely contagious and, and has an effect on the players as well. And you got you players have fun when you you playing. Oh no, we hate it. It's <laughs> such a bad time. <laughs> it's a, it's it's very fun. It's you know T Twenty cricket, domestic level. It's just yeah, it's it's a great it's a great touch of the year for for us girls. We we love it. Oh well. Good to hear. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to have you on. Best of luck against the Kiwis um, in these six matches, and then uh, we'll see you in Sydney for the WBBL. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Great to have Sophie Molyneux on the show. And as I said a couple of times, we are taking a break after this episode for a couple of weeks. And there's no actual real big reason for that. But on a personal level, I am struggling a little bit for motivation around Cricket Unfiltered. Been podcasting every week on cricket for seven years now. Done over 400 episodes and I still love it. But just at the moment with with the situation and everything, I'm feeling a bit flat. So thought it would be a good time to just take a little break, refresh, watch some IPL, sink my teeth into some high-class international cricket, and then hopefully I will be refreshed and recharged and ready to go. So uh, enjoy the cricket, enjoy the IPL, enjoy the international women's stuff, Australia taking on New Zealand in three ODIs and three T20s. Can't wait to watch that team in action again. Thank you to Jaleesa Apps and Sophie Molyneux for joining me on this show. Best wishes to Paul Dennett, my intrepid co-host, who's taking a break this week, and we'll be back soon. Thank you. Podcast Network.